0: Hi, my name's Paul. And I'm Rod. As well as a deep love for all things travel, combined we have more than
1: 60 years experience in the travel industry. We've both held senior roles and traveled the globe. From some of the most remote parts of Asia, we've driven coast to coast in the USA. We've navigated the rivers of the world in dugout canoes and onboard luxury cruises
0: and eaten our way around the best that Europe has to offer. We've made loads of friends along the way who are experts on their part of the world. And in this series, we'll share their
1: inside knowledge to help you create the best travel experiences. So, make sure your seatbelt is fastened tight and low and your loose items are placed in the seat pocket in front of you. Welcome aboard, this is seat 56A. Rod, today we journey along the magnificent southwest edge of Western Australia. And joining us in seat 56A is the delightful Tonya Home. She's the marketing manager for Australia's Southwest Tourism, and she really does know her stuff when it comes to WA Wines and getting the most out of your holidays in this part of the world. But of course, Rod, as always, that's not the only gems of wisdom that our listeners can expect. That's right, Paul.
0: We also discover why it's best to approach a large community of garden gnomes with a zero blood alcohol level. (laughs) That's very important. And that closets are useful for more than just hanging your clothes in or coming out of. And we get an important reminder to wear the right safety trousers when truffle hunting with marsupials.
1: Can't stress that
0: enough. Tonya, the journey you're taking us on today, it's a six-day itinerary. It starts in Perth, and it travels along Western Australia's beautiful southwest edge. It's just over 600 kilometres. We go through coastal communities like Bunbury, Busselton, Margaret River, where you live, and we follow that southwest edge all the way down to Albany, right at the southern tip of WA. Is this a popular journey? What do you think attracts people to this part of WA?
2: It sure is and the road trip you're talking about is just a section of the southwest edge which is an epic road trip that can take up to 12 days and traverse uh, 1,200 kilometres from Perth to Esperance and I think what really attracts people is it's a journey into the heartland of an undisturbed, uncrowded Australia. So you've got ancient forests, world-class wineries, spectacular coastline and all those charming country towns, um, Myanmar. along the way.
1: Rod, I can't go on with just pointing out that uh, a lot of our guests phone in, and I know Tonya's phoning in from home, and the sound quality from wherever she is in her house is excellent. Tonya, Tonya, where are you in your home at the moment?
2: (laughs) I I would like to say I'm down by the beach um, just having had a surf, but I'm actually in my wardrobe because (laughs) all my investment in clothing over the years apparently has created great sound insulation.
0: (laughs) Coming through loud and clear. And this That's
1: great commitment.
0: Great <laughs> commitment from our guests, absolutely.
1: Thank you, Tonya. Uh, my my first question before we we jump on the road is is just about weather. Um, is there any bad time of the year to be in this part of the country?
2: Look, I like to be guided by the seasonal produce calendar for when to travel. So for example, in winter you head to Truffle Heartland in Manjimup. And hunt out truffles, have some red wine, um, stay in a log cabin with a fireplace and and do some beautiful misty forest walks. In summer obviously there's some incredible beaches for supping, surfing, fishing, um, hiking. Uh, Spring you've got the wildflowers exploding along the coastline and in the forests. um, Whales migrating and um, autumn is when the vineyards come to life because the great are harvested so you can do some fantastic behind-the-scenes winery tours and of course um, get the lowdown on um, how the vintage was and and what great drops to pick up when you're at all the cellar doors right through the southwest.
1: So depending on the time of year there's plenty of highlights and and lots of variety and you're saying the whales are actually um, more prevalent for whale watches in the winter months, is that right?
2: Yeah, we call it the humpback highway. We've got the longest whale migration in the world. So we have a whale season in winter when they're in the south in Albany and Augusta and then in spring they migrate north to the warmer waters and you can catch them in Busselton and Dunsborough and we've got all different size um, whale experiences. You can see them literally walking um, along the coastline, along the famous Cape to Cape track. You can take a um, big boat vessel, you can do a sunset cruise or you can um, get up close close and personal with someone like Jet Adventures in a Zodiac and they wow. can um, drop a speaker and you can actually hear the whale songs, which Fantastic. is quite stunning.
1: Listen, we're going to get underway. Now, I know we're, we're due to start in Fremantle and, and there's a lot to do in Fremantle, great sites and markets and, and beaches. I'm a bit of a fan in in cities like this of not doing it all yourself and, and selecting a, a, a local guide, somebody who lives in the town that can really bring the history and and the culture of uh, of a town to life. can you tell us a bit about some options around uh, touring in in Fremantle?
2: Yeah, you're spot on, Paul, and why not tap into some local knowledge and um, take a walk tour? There's some fantastic ones available in the historic city of Frio, and that way you can get into that gritty portside feel of Fremantle, check out some of the history and, of course, the best bars and laneways and street art.
0: Well, the second day of our journey, Tonya, takes us from Fremantle down to the Ferguson Valley. It's about 178 k's. It's an easy two-hour drive. Talk us through the drive down there today. It seems like the area we're going to is an alternative wine trail for people looking for something different in their wines.
2: That's right. Ferguson Valley is a charming country town that's got rolling hills, um, a high chance that you're going to meet the owner, winemaker, uh, viticulturist when you have your cellar door experience. There's some fantastic places like Greendor where you can do a sensory experience in black stemware so you can uh, really rely on, on your palate and your nose for what you're tasting.
0: Black um, stemware. It,
2: yes. So that's a fancy word for glasses. It's I a see. fancy word for glasses. <laughs> So um, there's lots of really immersive experiences and then there's lots of really unexpected free experiences. The Ferguson Valley uh, not only is known for its alternative wine varieties, so think um, Tempranillo, Sangiovese, it's got that fantastic Mediterranean climate um, for those sort of wine styles. Um, but there's a place called Gnomesville, which is this quirky, um let's call it art installation amongst a forest. So you must bring your own gnome and um, let it find a little gnome family of friends and um, leave it for other visitors to come and explore.
0: And this has literally started from some people who started to leave the odd gnome there and it's grown to a population of gnomes of about 10,000 or more.
2: That's right. They just seem to have multiplied these gnomes. And I think there's just a um, not feed attraction to having something that's not contrived, there's no entry fee, and it's just one of those unexpected charms you can discover en route along the edge.
1: It is a place that probably should come with a warning because, uh, as our listeners know, um, Rod is prone to doing a little bit of wine blending himself. And given that uh, <laughs> there are wineries in the area, he he, he could... Uh, get to the point where he's a bit tired and emotional. And uh, my concern is that when he's in that state, when he sits very still, he can look like a gnome. So he could easily get left mm. behind at that installation, which could be problematic for uh, anybody who has friends of a similar ilk. But we'll, we'll move on, hoping that Rod's <laughs> rejoined the journey and is not sitting amongst all of the <laughs> gnomes. And we're going to head.
0: I'm fascinated, to by River. Them.
1: <laughs> we are going to head. For Margaret River. We've got about a 142 kilometre drive in in front of us today. Um, But there is a must stop en route before we get to to Wine Country. Um, Busselton, you were talking to me a little bit about off air about the things to do and see in Busselton to break the journey.
2: Yeah, Busselton's just gorgeous. It's this um, protected bay of the geograph and it has the longest wooden jetty in the southern hemisphere. Now, if you're game, you can walk it. It's a nautical mile and uh, there's also a train that can take you out to the end, which is a bit of fun. And there you can discover an underwater observatory. So you can um, see the marine life underneath. There's um, stand-up paddle boarding, uh, kayaks um, which the Clear Bottoms um, for you to explore, the beautiful crystal clear water, and more importantly, a brand new brewery just opened this month called Shelter, which looks out over the foreshore, and there's kids' playgrounds and other fantastic cafes, so um, a lot to be explored along the Bustleton Jetty Precinct.
1: Sounds like a great way to break the journey, but of course, once we leave Busselton, in front of us is one of the, the great wine precincts of the world, the Margaret River. Um, I'm very, very fond of uh, Margaret River Chardonnays myself. Um, and there's But there's a lot to do in the Margaret River as, as well as taste wine. Um, let's settle in and tell us something about the Margaret River that people should know about.
2: Well, Paul, it sounds like you and Rod have taken one for the team and done a bit of research on your Margaret River Chardonnay, so thank you for being so dedicated. Um, But it is a spectacular place to grow um, premium wine. It's um, surrounded by coastline on three sides it has this moderating maritime influence fantastic soils that have been likened to those of um, Bordeaux in France and there's about a hundred salad doors so you're spoilt for choice the classic varieties of Chardonnay and Cabernet Sauvignon Reign Supreme Um, but in the Margaret River wine show last week they were just noticing you know all these emerging categories of rosé and um, natural wines are um, becoming more popular in the area and there's a lot of really immersive experiences. So if you want to delve a little bit deeper than just turning up to a cellar door, there's places like um, Aramea Estate that are off-grid, sustainable. You can do a a farmhouse tour somewhere like Swings and Roundabouts where you can take your wine tasting al fresco on a swing overlooking an undulating vineyard. You could go to Bedonaise and do a sweet wine and nougat pairing. Howard Park have got a sparkling wine flight that you can take in their wine chapel and wow. um, worship at the altar of um, of the finest sparkling wines around. And they source fruit from great southern and nearby wine region as well. So there's lots of different ways to explore um, the wine language of Margaret River.
1: Of course, it's not all about wine, or for some of us uh, it's largely about wine, but uh, the Margaret River is a, a beautiful, beautiful part of the world. There's some, as you've already mentioned, some fantastic beaches, but some great experiential um, touring to be had around the area. Uh, the river guide does a, a great um, kayaking trip um, actually on the Margaret River, which not a lot of people actually think to do whilst they're in the Margaret River, actually get out on the Margaret River. But one that's really Got our attention is the um, Indigenous tour that's run by Josh Whiteland. Um, Correct my pronunciation, Kumal Dreaming, I think it is. Correct. Which is a fishing tour and a foraging and a bush tucker um, experience. Tell us a bit more about that. It sounds amazing.
2: Yeah, I like to say Nugget River. Region because there's so many decadent experiences you have to earn your lunch so you should get outdoors and and do something substantial first so um, we've created some stories along the edge which are this series of little mini documentary style videos on our website um, au and they immerse you into a moment of what it's like to go out with one of these local operators so you can um, see their storytelling through their lens and Josh is a wonder. custodian and an incredible ambassador um, from Kumul Dreaming and you can do everything from walk out on country with him um, forage for ingredients, do a catch and cook tour and share some stories as as you cook up um, what you've caught that day and even if you're a terrible fisherman don't worry you're in expert hands with Josh or you could hear him perform a didgeridoo in um, Nilgi Cave which sounds like being in a cathedral and it's quite a haunted beautiful experience.
1: Is that a half day or is it a full day experience? How much time should people put aside for that?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of flexibility to the tours. So you can really um, pick and choose. You can um, choose a couple of hours or you can build it into a whole half day or a full day, depending on, on how long you're spending.
1: It sounds to me though that uh, it would be easy to make the mistake of not allowing enough time in in Margaret River. How much time would you recommend to people as a bare minimum amount of time to stay here?
2: Agreed. Look, I might be biased to live in Margaret River but I know that most people leave wishing for a little bit more so I think a four-night itinerary is just perfect because you want to have a little bit of time to relax and reconnect, you want to have some time to go out and explore, I mean, doing something like a leg of the Cape to Cape track, it's 135 kilometres from north to south so you can do that on your own, you can do it with a guide, um, you can do it in an eco-friendly way, uh, you can um, camp in a national park, you can have some someone whisk you off to um, a resort um, perched on the cliff like Pullman Bunker Bay or stay somewhere like Cape Lodge and have a company called Walk Into Luxury coordinate all of your hiking and resting needs as part of that experience.
1: Fantastic.
0: Tonya, Margaret River's your home and I remember talking to you off air the other day that you've got the beach just out the front of your house, you go for a swim in the ocean every day Margaret River just sounds like the perfect place to go to in, uh, in WA.
2: Look, it's fantastic whether you're into you know, surfing, having just a, a quick um dip and a coffee, which is more my morning routine, um, or looking at it from your stunning accommodation that you might be staying in, going out on a whale watching tour. There's so many ways to interact with the coastline. And I think once you start discovering a bit more about wine and realise the influence um, that ocean has in that moderating factor and creating such consistency and high quality in the vineyards, you actually realise that it really kind of is the heartbeat of of the wine region, um, the ocean surrounding it. So we've got the Indian Ocean and the Southern Ocean um, and it really is quite spectacular.
0: Now you mentioned Chardonnays before. That's one of my favourite wines and uh, Paul and I disagree on this and I'd like to get your view, Tonya, because I like the old world Chardonnays that are buttery and oaky Mm. and like you're biting into a Plank of oak. Or do you like the more minerally acidic type Chardonnays that are considered to be the new world Chardis?
2: Look, I think the beauty of Chardonnay is that it ages and that develops, and because of its oak, it interacts with this complexity. So there's a place for both, and I think it really comes down to what what you're eating. You know, you could have something like Piero, which is one of those very classic, elegant big um, buttery styles that you talked about and you know someone like Tetsuya has those in his restaurants because it just goes so beautifully with that um, you know Japanese French style cuisine and, and it, you know is, is perfect um, in a restaurant. Some of the leaner um, styles someone like xanadu has been winning huge amounts of awards for that really minerally um, acidic tighter um, very restrained style that's my preference and, and what's nice about that is sometimes you can really just have that with um, watching the sunset and um, on its own and, and it doesn't actually need to be paired with a, with a more complex meal.
1: I'd have to just interject there, um, Tonya. This uh, statement from Rod makes it sound like uh, he's much, got a much more refined palate than he actually does. Uh, <laughs> in fact, if it comes in a bottle that doesn't have any sharp edges around the top, he's going to drink it. That's the real truth of the matter. Um, but I think we're about to move on from the Margaret River.
0: Well, almost. I just want to ask you, Tonya, about a luxury stay. Now, I think you'd have to agree that of all the places that we're going to on this itinerary, would Margaret River be the one where if you're going to spend a bit more money and have a really sort of luxury kind of a stay, would it be Margaret River?
2: Definitely. Margaret River does the coastal chic vibe very well. Um, there's places like Glampin in an olive grove at Olio Bello. Or you could um, stay at a coastal apartment like Smith's Beach Resort that's just undergone a major refurbishment, has a Cape to Cape track on its doorstep and an incredible restaurant, Le Mans, on site as well as a pool. So I think there's there's definitely scope um, for that sort of more luxurious style accommodation um, set amongst wine regions and um, the ocean in the Margaret River region.
0: Well, let's move on now from Margaret River to Manjimup. Uh, It's a 130 k drive, and this seems to be a very rich farming area that we're going through. Lots of farm gate stalls, cherries are grown here, chestnuts, are farmed here. And it sounds like WA is really the home of fresh produce. They even have trout farmed uh, down in that area as well.
2: They do. It's a real um, food bowl, manage up, and they're the largest exporters of black perigord truffles in the world now overtaking France, which is pretty impressive. So you can go on a truffle dog hunt in the winter season. Um, in summer they have a Cherry Harmony Festival and you can get the beautiful stone fruit and um, these incredible um, pears, um, places um, that have cider now from the local produce and, um, of course, fantastic wine as well. And you're amongst these ancient carry forests. So everywhere you go, you just have this beautiful, fresh smell of um, this rich, fertile agricultural land um, and these tall stands of trees surrounding you.
0: I just want to cut to uh, a little interview we did with uh, a gentleman called Adrian from the Truffle and Wine Co. in Manjimup. Because Adrian takes people with a dog on a truffling hunt. And here's what he had to say about the experience.
3: If you're in the area you have the opportunity to come and watch a dog do what it does best which is sniff things out in the environment um, and th- there is something quite magical happening in the management area where uh, it's quickly becoming the the truffle capital of the world um, so we use trained dogs to sniff out ripe truffles because there's a lot of truffles and they ripen at different times and it only happens in winter and there is a definite production cycle through the winter Uh, you know not many ripe truffles in early june most of them are unripe increasing in ripeness through july which is the peak and then dropping off through august and yeah pretty much finished by the first week of september
0: and when you get the dog and you take your little group, how long is a typical hunt, and what do you expect? How many would you expect to find
3: generally yeah the the hunt lasts for an hour and a half, maybe two hours uh, We can find up to a hundred different truffles if i 'm not talking too much wow but a lot a lot of people like to hear the history the folklore uh, what's involved with training the dog so yeah we typically find somewhere between 10 and 30 truffles Uh, we find enough to keep people happy put it that way
0: and do people get to take any of the truffles home
3: they certainly do Um, particular individual truffles we can take them back to the processing shed, wash them, grade them and you can take home the specific truffle that the dog found whilst you were out there in the forest.
0: What sort of dog do you use to go truffling with?
3: I'm very much a Labrador man. Um, My background is guide dogs so I understand Labradors pretty well and they're easy to train because they love their food Um, and they do well in the, the cold and wet environment which you find in winter. Um, But Kelpies are also very good. Any dog with a long nose can do it. But in my experience over 10 years, I've found that Kelpies and Labradors tend to be the better breeds.
0: Well, there's one thing we do know for sure, and that's if you're in Tasmania and you want to do some truffling, and you're using a Tasmanian devil, never go truffling with an open neck trouser. (laughs) I haven't heard that before. <laughs> Adrian, thanks so much for your time today. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. I'm just about to switch on the in flight entertainment. A quick recommendation, though, from everyone here on the flight deck tune into seat 56A to get all the insider tips you need on your next vacation. Seat 56A, best travel podcast ever.
3: Excuse me, sir. Passengers can't be using the PA system. Please return to your seat immediately.
0: Well, that would be seat 56A, of course.
2: Right, that's it. You're coming in cuffs.
1: Shouldn't we go for a drink
0: before you break out the cuffs? I mean, I don't even know your name.
1: Become a travel insider and subscribe to seat 56A today. Let's get back on the road now. It's day four. Not a big day on the road for us. We're only about 32 kilometres out of Manjumup. Um, and we're heading for Pemberton, lots of those magnificent old-growth forests on the road. Um, Tell us a little bit about Pemberton itself and what people can do and experience in this part of the world.
2: Yeah, Pemberton is just heartland of these ancient forests and you can actually climb them. So um, one of the trees... um, you can climb is called the Gloucester tree and they originally used it as a fire lookout so it's got big metal um, stakes for climbing and there's no harness so it's not for the faint-hearted but trust me the view from the top looking out across the canopy of those ancient carry trees is is quite worth the effort.
1: And Tonya there's some amazing sand dunes and, and touring that you can do around those sand dunes in this area as well.
2: Absolutely. The Yeager Up Dunes is this moon-like experience. It's, it's quite ethereal and otherworldly. And the best way to explore it is um, jump out with someone who's got really good four-wheel drive skills and clearance in their vehicle. And you can do that with Pemberton Discovery Tours. And they can take you four-wheel driving on the Yeager Up Dunes. You can see where the forest meets the sea. And it's a, a really unique um, day trip.
1: We're going to leave Pemberton in the rear vision mirror and uh, 187 kilometre journey from Pemberton, we're going to arrive into the wonderful town of Denmark. Lots of natural beauty to appreciate in this area. Um, tell us, uh, how would you organise yourself in in Denmark?
2: Well, look, on the way to Denmark, you go through Walpole and the Valley of the Giant's Treetop Walk is there to be explored, um, which is a really fantastic way to walk um, horizontally rather than climbing vertically to explore the tingle trees. And then once you get to Denmark, you're basically surrounded by Beautiful vineyards and spectacular coastline. A really um, favourite spot that hits the list of best beaches in Australia constantly is called Green's Pool and Elephant Rocks. And they've actually just done a major infrastructure upgrade to the car park facilities so more people can explore it. And it's literally just opened again this month after being closed all year. And it basically has this massive granite boulder that protects the um, bay from the swell so you can have people doing daily swimming laps every morning in this wonderful protected um, crystal clear white sandy beach bay.
1: Tonya if this is another place where people wanted to have a, a special stay have you got a, an accommodation recommendation in in and around Denmark? I do there's
2: a really magical place called Paris Beach Break in Denmark. Think contemporary beach house on a big bush block with glimpses of the ocean that um, beckon you to take the little track and and walk down um, for a swim or to watch the sunset and it really is very private, very contemporary and um, a wonderful place to stay.
1: Well after a great night's rest in uh, in Denmark we're going to hit the road on the final leg from Denmark down to Albany um, about 55 kilometres on the road today, what are the must-do experiences in, in Albany?
2: Albany just has this rugged coastline, the Southern Ocean um, sits on it, the beautiful historic town, York Street looks down onto the harbour, um, so it really has a wonderful feel. There's really um, unique retail and um, quirky shops, there's um cafes in plant shops there's beautiful wine bars such as Majuba, there's a fantastic um, French Vietnamese um, restaurant called Liberté in a historic building and there's amazing natural beauty um, that's free that you can explore as well one place you have to go and take your selfie at when you're in Albany is called The Gap, it's a suspended um, platform looking out over a big granite um, rock with um, the crashing waves of the southern ocean behind
1: sounds amazing Uh, albany of course has a a history in the whaling industry is there as well if if people wanted to learn a little bit more about that part of uh, of its history where would they go to learn about that
2: Absolutely, um, the historic whaling station is so fascinating. They have um, the Chaise Two, which was the last um, commercial whaling ship operating in Australia. There, that you can uh, climb aboard um, on dry land, and they have um, the quite poignant um, infrastructure of of how they actually process the whaling um, with some really interesting archival footage, um, as shell collections. There's an incredible biodiversity hotspot. Um, Native Garden right next door at Discovery Bay. So it's a really interesting precinct to go and explore, a cafe there overlooking the ocean. So um, yeah, a a really interesting time to discover.
0: So we should mention too that we've talked about the six-day itinerary today, Tonya from Perth down to Albany. But you could actually make this a nine, 10, 11-day itinerary by doing a loop that goes on the inland route back to Perth.
2: Absolutely, so why stop? You've you've gone all the way to Albany, you've you know been to the farmer's markets, you've stocked up with fresh produce and you're ready to hit the road. So if it's summer, I suggest you keep going to Bremer Bay at the Bremer Canyon there. They have um, the largest pod of orcas in the Southern Hemisphere and you can take a tour with naturalist charters out and see them and the incredible marine life out at sea. And then you can keep driving to Esperance where you actually do have Lucky Bay Beach, the widest, sandiest beach in Australia with kangaroos on it. And then you can take an inland trip back so you can go past Hyden, where Wave Rock is. So you can take um, your waves from the beach to um, this ancient um, rock um, landscape and um, mix up your Instagram feed a little bit.
1: That sounds amazing. And of course, we'd also be remiss not to, to make our listeners aware of the fact that this part of the WA coast is a a hive of festivals throughout the year. I mean, if people are planning their holidays, they really should uh, make sure they know when festivals are because they seem to be happening all the time up and down the coast.
2: Absolutely, so um, think Taste Great Southern, that's happening in Albany uh, in March 2021 And you can try all the abundant seafood and um, incredible cool climate wines coming from the Great Southern They do amazing Riesling and Shiraz and Gourmet Escape of course in Margaret River is usually on in November And there's a plethora of um, other local activities and you can see them all on the website
1: Look, for those who uh, are looking to to do a bit more research on this itinerary, where where should they get their information, Tonya?
2: Yeah, so we've tried to create a really interactive... um intuitive website that helps you plan out distances and the people and places you want to connect with so it's called the southwesteredge.com.au and you can create a bespoke itinerary based on whether you're into nature or food and wine Um, and then you can email that to a friend get them to come and join you and um, create all your road trip inspiration because we call it um, the most um, insta-worthy road trip in Australia so we'd like here to come and explore that for yourselves
1: Tonya this has been great fun thank you so much for your time in fact uh, this has been so good what I think we'd like to do question without notice is get you back for another chat sometime in your wardrobe where you can step sure. us through some of your outfits oh. uh, where you got them from <laughs> um, you know the, the backstories to where they've been that sort of thing I think that would be great are you up for that
2: Absolutely.
1: Terrific. <laughs> Again, thank, thank you for sitting in your wardrobe and talking to us today. We have learnt a lot. Um, thank you very much for being with us.
2: Great to chat to you, um, Rod and Paul, and, um, yeah, look forward to that next episode of What Art Fits to Wear to Each Location Along the South West Edge.